By the way, also add to that list Jesse Townsend. Joe Widener, his friend, tells me that they've only given Jesse a few days to live because of his cancer, and he has a family and also friends with Coach Dave Tanner, so please remember Jesse also. This past week, I was uh, in Atlanta for the meeting of the Cooperative Ministries Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, representing Mission to the World, and I was there fondly remembering how I used to get in the car and drive four hours to various meetings in Atlanta because I was going to get to hear a devotion by Dr. Paul Koistra. He is a man who is much gifted by the Lord and able to articulate God's word, and uh, it's even a greater wonder that I get to count him as a friend. He and Sandy have been dear to my heart as they have been a blessing to so many. Paul, uh, in a past life, served as president of Covenant Theological Seminary, our denomination seminary, uh, not in competition with another wonderful seminary known as Westminster up in Philadelphia, but working alongside that and other wonderful schools. He led that school for a number of years and then came to Mission to the World to serve as our coordinator for over 20 years, and that's where I had the privilege of coming to know him. And it is a joy for me today to be able to introduce him to you as he comes to share God's word. Dr. Paul Koistra, it's always good to see you, and especially... I'm happy to be able to share this pulpit with you. Bless you. I enjoy him as a friend as well. Hey, and I'm on now. He probably didn't want to turn that on because he didn't want me talking about him. He doesn't like people to talk about him. Uh, let me tell you why we're here. This We call these stewardship uh, weekends. You'll notice I'm talking about money. And uh, some of you would not have come if you had looked at the website, saw what the subject was this morning, and stayed home. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I'm going to preach on money, uh, on money, and then tomorrow we have the seminar on gift and estate design. Uh, Tim Sasser, if you'll stand up, he's the director of our partner relations department, and Bruce Owens is our gift and estate design director. And uh, you want to come tomorrow. Bruce is the best there is in the country. If I had time, I would really explain that. That's not an exaggeration. He is full-time with Mission World, but he works for a lot of other agencies now as well, uh, uh, evangelical agencies. So when I say he's the best in the country, he really is the best in the country. Everybody else has to pay uh, to get his services, but if you belong to a PCA church, you get it free. And uh, here's the thing. You've heard it said there is no such thing as a free lunch, right? And yet there is lunch tomorrow, and you don't have to pay for it. And there is dinner, but you say, yeah, but there's a catch, right? No, there's not. It's not a fundraiser for Mix the World. This is to help you. If you come tomorrow, you're only going to learn about what is possible, and then you can decide whether you want to sign up or not. So tomorrow is not where you commit yourself. I mean, it is where you commit yourself if you want to sign up. But when you come, you're not coming uh, so somebody can... Uh, deal with you on that particular event. Um, what's the catch? I mean, why do we do this? And the answer is very simple. Nobody else does. Everybody else that's working in development and so on, 
They want you to come so they can tell you about their great ministry and then you can support that ministry. And nobody else was doing that. And so Mission the World decided 32 years ago we would start doing this. So we've been doing this for 32 years. We have never had a complaint. There's never been a person who said, you know, that was a bait and switch in 32 years. Um, either a church that complained or an individual that complained. And we've done literally thousands of uh, individual plans for people. So, I only really want to encourage you to take advantage of this. If you say, I've got very little money, look, all the missionaries in the missional world have done this. And, it, and it's very beneficial for them. Um, so, there will be somebody over here and somebody over there to sign you up uh, for the lunch at 11.30 or the dinner at uh, 6 o'clock. Now, uh, I told you I was going to talk about money. Have you heard about the two men that washed up on a desert island? And they looked around and one man began to shout, We're going to die! We're going to die! And the other man said, Calm down. Everything's going to be all right. Uh, nothing's going to happen. The other man said, We're going to die! Look, there's no trees. There, there's no food. There's no water. Uh, we are going to die. And the other man said, Please calm down. Everything's going to be all right. I am a millionaire, a multi-millionaire. I make over a million dollars a year, and I tithe. And my pastor will find us. <laughs> you know, it's the only sermon that I start with a joke, and I'm serious about that. Let me tell you why I do. Because in the church, we don't know what to do about money. There are a lot of pastors that will preach about money. I remember when I was very young, I would go to Presbytery meetings, and they would be talking about salaries and so on, and the preachers wouldn't know what to do, and they would sort of giggle. Uh, and they just seemed that they were uncomfortable uh, with the whole topic of money. Why is it God's not uncomfortable with the topic of money? Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus, 33 parables, 11 of them have to do with material things. Over 30% of uh, his parables had to do with, really, the things that God gives us. The material blessings that he gives us. I wonder why. You know, over in Galatians, and, and it's really really an introduction. By the way, Galatians is an interesting book because uh, this is one of the few letters from Paul where Paul doesn't say to them, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I remember you always, I remember you in my prayers, that sort of thing. Galatians, he doesn't do that. He gets right into it because he's concerned about them because they are so quickly abandoning the gospel. Again, the gospel turned around, but in the very introduction he says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. There it is. To deliver us from the present evil age. If we're going to deal with the age that we live in, any age that we live in, we've got to deal with the material things dealing with that particular age. If we're focused on that, those things, then the evil age has got a grip on us. If we are focused on God, and through God focused on the things that God has given us, then they don't have a grip on us. So, how do we then deal with 
the blessings that God gives us, the resources that God gives us, how should we look at them? How should we approach them? And there's no better passage in my mind than the passage that uh, is in your bulletin and is our text uh, for this sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. This is what God's Word says. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Others, we examine this portion of your word. We do believe that this is your word, your living word. It comes to us through the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that gave these words to Paul is now here, here with us. And we pray that he will take these words and apply them to our hearts and to our lives. That we might be ministered to, and that in fact we would have a deeper and better understanding of how you want us to relate to the blessings and things that you've given us. We pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when you look at this text, um, you I think you're really seeing into the very uh, heart of God. Uh, you'll notice that it says here um, that uh, God loves a cheerful giver. And I don't know how you approach that particular passage, but... Uh, for years, the way I approached it was this. I should give and be really happy about it. So when I'm giving to the Lord, I should have a smile on my face. Now, I wonder how you do that. I've got to figure out how to do that because I want to obey this passage. And uh, so I'm going to have to figure out how I can gen up happiness when it comes to giving. And uh, guess what? That never worked. Uh, I'm not sure how you'd even do that, to be honest. And I really don't think that's what the passage is really saying. I don't think it's a, a rule that if you're going to give, you ought to give to God cheerfully and happily. No, what I really think is that God is saying to us, I want you to be like me. God is saying to each of us, I want my children to be like me. I want them to mirror me. And... Uh, so, when he's saying to us, be a cheerful giver, he's really saying to us, I created you to be like me. Let us make man in our own image. Male and female made he them. God has an eternal plan for every one of us. He has chosen us um, to belong to him so that we can call him Father. Our Father who art in heaven. And he in turn calls us his sons and his daughters. And when he does that, he's saying, be an imitator of me. Ephesians 5.1, 1, 
be imitators of God as his beloved children. Now, do you see what I'm saying? One of the ways we do that is in our stewardship, where we find great joy in our giving, where we give cheerfully. We become imitators of God when we do that. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, God by his divine power granted to us life so we might escape the world and share in God's divine nature. Think about that. We're to share in God's divine nature. When we come to Christ in faith and we become part of his body, we begin actually to reflect the divine nature of God. He says so right in 2 Peter, Philippians 2, 5. There he's talking to a church that's having problems. Guess what the problems are? Well, they're like a lot of churches. They can't get along. They're fighting among themselves, sadly. And what's he say to them? He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but have this mind which is also in Christ Jesus. You get any idea that, that, that really God, on a daily basis, wants you to reflect him? That, that, that people ought to be able to look at you and say, there is something different about you? And they might not even be able to put a label on it, but if you spend enough time with them, they might be able to say, yeah, that person knows Jesus. Uh, yesterday, and we kind of ran into this man three times while we were waiting for the plane, when we were getting on the plane, and when we were waiting for our baggage. And Sandy, uh, uh, she's a better evangelist than I am, and she got to talking to him and, and so on. And, 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 and he was very interested in, in what we believed about the world and, you know, about Republicans and Democrats and all that kind of stuff. Um, but every time she would mention the Lord, he'd push back just a little bit, you know. But finally, she said, you know, there is a big, there's a big difference about religion and Jesus. And uh, that was the last word she got in. But, but I, I really believe that the man was attracted to her because he saw something different. And uh, he didn't know what it was. And, and every time he got close to it, he kind of pushed back a little bit. But she at least left him with the word. Now, God then is a generous God. That's the whole point. We're going to reflect God. We're going to have to be generous ourselves in our giving because our God is a generous God. Um, Sandy likes to talk about how, you know, God created could have created a world like this without, without color. Uh, she's a, a bit of an artist herself, and so color is very important to her and, and, and if we go out in October and, and it, uh, in the daytime and it's a really clear day and there's a front that comes through or something like that she'll say look in October blue just looks blue to me but she sees all those different shades on the other hand I love trees and I like trees this time of the year because you can see the tree the leaves don't really mask the tree and every tree has a different shade I've got one right outside of our cottage um, window, and I call it the cross tree because it's just the way it's shaped like this. It's not like this, but it's a little bit like this. But I just like it, you know. But when I walk through the woods, I can look down and I say, okay, there's a Spanish oak tree, and, and there's a black oak, there's a red oak, there's a blackjack oak, um, and a post oak, and a chestnut oak, and, and, and they're all there. I'm not making those up. God could have made just one of them. 
but he just pours things out to us. And, and you could go on and on about so many other things, um, just the stars in the heaven and so on. I just got a new app that if you hold it up to the sky at night, it, it actually shows you what the stars are and what the, what the uh, planets are that are up there and so on. And, you know, we used to think, wasn't there some guy that used to talk about all the stars? There's billions and billions of stars. And now we know there are actually uh, billions and uh, billions of, um, of um, uh, galaxies. Thank you. I like to think of a universe, and that wasn't going to work. Uh, <laughs> it's just one universe, okay? Um, but uh, all kinds of galaxies and so on. So the triune God is a bountiful God. I also think he's a sharing God. I mean, I think just by the nature, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, the world that God created would be very different if God was just one God and one person. He's one God and three persons. So he's the Father sharing with the Son, the Son sharing with the Father, the Father and the Son sharing with the Holy Spirit. And really, Edwards said that's where all of creation came from. God had, had this agape type of love, this agape type of sharing. He couldn't hold it back. And he pushed it out. And everything that we see is a result of that. So when you think about it, this God just pours out all, our God just pours out all the time to us. But it's not just in the fact of who he is, it's also in the way he saved us. When you think about the scriptures, I mean, that is, this is the story of salvation. You read all these stories in the Old Testament and so on. They all come together because they're all part of one story. And you just see how rich it is when you talk about Noah, when you talk about Moses, when you talk about Abraham, when you talk about David, and you see all of that like that, and you think, wow, I'm part of that. God has just poured out his grace and goodness to us, all coming to a climax in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to this earth. We just celebrate the incarnation. We're looking forward to the resurrection uh, and uh, Easter. And again, we think about all of that and how rich all of that is. In Ephesians 3.16, it says this, that he may give you according to the riches of his glory. That's a passage where uh, Paul is going to be praying uh, for the Ephesians, one of the greatest prayers in the Bible. Uh, it talks about the love of God, the height, the breadth, the length, the depth, and so on. I'm sure many of you know that passage. But it begins by saying, I bow my knee to the God of all creation, all creation, that he might pour out, out of his abundance to you. And I think about that and I think, what kind of abundance does God have? Do you ever think about that? I mean, what kind of a warehouse would God have? Uh, when I go to our cottage, uh, I pass by two enormous Amazon Amazon uh, uh, buildings, uh, warehouses. And I usually get there just about the right time on all these little gray trucks coming out. Uh, and they're just like little ants, you know, coming out of there. And uh, you wonder how they can have so much stuff, so much junk, really, you know. Uh, but they do. But I want to tell you something. I want you to think about it this way. I mean, compared to God's warehouse, if you want to put it that way, the abundance supply of God, um, that doesn't even even compare. It's just a, 
just a drop in the bucket, you know. What uh, God pours out to us is, is so enormous, so great. Um, I read some time ago that Andrew Carnegie, when he uh, got ready to close to the end of his life, he had $350 million. Now that's not a ton of money today, but I wonder how many billions that would be today. It would be a lot, I will tell you that. And he decided to give it all away. But he couldn't make it. He died before he could give it all away. He still had $30 million left when he died uh, because he just couldn't give it away fast enough. And uh, I think about that generosity and then I think about the generosity of God's heart. Uh, again, it doesn't even compare. Uh, just a drop in the bucket compared to our God and his riches and his, um, the magnitude of his heart. Uh, God's... Uh, gifts to us are, are greater than the cosmos itself. So what is the joy of being like God? Well, you may know this. You know that generous people are happier than people who are not generous. Uh, and that's secular studies that show that. In the Journal of Nature, there was an article some time ago uh, that said that giving makes people happy. I think I can tell you the answer because we were made to give. Because we were made, as I've already said, to be like God. So we were made in the image of God, and we were made to be givers, not hoarders. In fact, now, hoarding is considered to be a type of pathology in some people's lives. But spiritually, let's not be hoarders. Um, we were made to be givers. Not only we were made to be givers, but in a deeper sense, we were saved to be givers. Um, in uh, this passage, it says, Don't give uh, reluctantly, uh, nor under compassion, uh, for God loves a cheerful giver. What is what that, what's that saying? If you don't want to give, don't give. It could actually be spiritually... Uh, damaging for you if you gave and you didn't want to give. God doesn't want you to do that because the Christian life is never a matter of merit. We give out of gratitude because what God has done for us, we don't give because we think we're going to get. We give because we've already gotten. It's as simple as that. And, and so when we understand that we were saved by grace alone, there was nothing we could do, there was nothing we could bring to the table. That produces simply a more generous heart. It should produce a heart of gratitude um, as we give out of the gospel. So this reality is actually a gift of grace. And our text, not the part I read, but if you go back over to chapter 8, because 8 and 9 really are together. And over in chapter 8, uh, verse 7, it says, But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you also excel in the act, in this act of grace also. Now, this act of grace also is what I'm preaching about stewardship, about giving. Notice he lists all these graces and he says, don't miss this one. These are all important, but don't miss this one. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. So, the ability to give is actually a gift from God. 
actually one of the things that God gives us in Christ that then we can pour out uh, to him and, um, and can be used uh, for God's kingdom in this world. And he even has an example here up in, earlier in the chapter uh, 8, he's talking about the church of Macedonia. And uh, he says in verse 2, notice this, that they gave out of abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. I don't even know what that means, seriously. I want you to think about that. Their extreme poverty overflowed with a wealth of generosity on their part. And then, look, in verse 3, they gave according to their means. Now that makes sense. As I can testify, and then beyond their means. So he gives us this example of people who were so overcome by their relationship to him and their relationship their relationship to God and their relationship to, uh, to Christ, that they begged to give even when they had given beyond their means. Got to be the most powerful example in the Bible. Give. Uh, Paul uses it. It's an example uh, for the, the church in Corinth, but Paul's using it for us as well as an example for us. So believers give joyfully. Uh, then he goes on to say in verse five, uh, and they and the, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So believers give joyfully because they've given of themselves. Uh, in Luke chapter seven, um, a woman of the streets come in, comes in and she's, she's, she uses her tears to, to wipe Jesus' feet, and the, the apostles are just beside themselves that he would even be allow a woman like this near him. And he tells a story about a man that owes uh, five hundred denarii. And, and the master says to him, I want my money back. And he says, I don't have it. And he says, I'm going to throw you in jail. And, and the, um, the uh, man begs, please don't, please don't. I've got a family. I've got responsibilities. All right, I'll forgive you. That man then goes out and finds a man who owes him just five denarii. And asks for his five denarii. The man says, I don't have it. Please, please give me mercy. He gives him no mercy. And Jesus then asks the story. Uh, of course, he's really pointing to this woman here. And he's saying, who do you think, who do you think loves more? The person who's been given, been forgiven much, or the person who's been forgiven little? Of course, it's the person who's been forgiven much. Now, you have been forgiven much. That's the whole point of that story. In Jesus Christ, you've been forgiven of everything. Everything that you ever did, everything you are doing, everything you will do, you've received the grace of forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the basis. That's the basis of Christian giving. Um, I'm going to skip a lot of this. So, uh, I'm going to go just to the practical part. Because the way I preach is I want you to take home something. Uh, and I really want your stewardship to be different. Now, again, I want you to come tomorrow because it really will be a blessing to you. Uh, 
Look, I'm 80 years old. I won't tell you how old Bruce is, but he's not getting any younger. This is probably this is probably our last year we're doing this, and we've been doing it for 32 years. And every one of you really could benefit from just looking at your estate plan and so on. So be sure to sign up. But here are the five things I want to suggest for giving. It transformed my giving a long time ago. First, have a yearly plan. My wife and I, and uh, this is our second marriage, so in my first marriage as well, uh, we would come up with a plan. And every year um, we would uh, decide how much we were going to give before the year began. Not to wait to see how much we have left at the end, uh, but it just seemed to be a good way to, to, to really focus on our material blessings for the year. And it becomes part of worship and so on. By the way, I've just written a little uh, devotional, uh, which is uh, uh, worship as giving, because I find a lot of churches now, even in our denomination, don't even take up an offering. It, again, it's that thing we, 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 we want to stay away. One of the best and greatest acts of worship is our giving. So have a yearly plan. And then pray for opportunities. Um, I will tell you uh, that uh, you'll be surprised if you do that. God will put opportunities in front of you for ways to help. They're not all going to be tax breaks either, you know. Uh, there might be a neighbor next door or something like that. But ask God to give you opportunities to use the resources he's given you. Thirdly, make giving part of worship. And I've already talked about that. But I was happy to see that you actually had a offering here as part of the worship. But you make it a part of worship as, as well. Even if you are, uh, although I will tell you a lot of younger people, that they give now with their phones and things like that, which I'm not sure is helping people a whole lot. Uh, but make it a part of worship. Fourthly, have an accountability partner. Now, the best accountability partner if you're married is your wife. And I put my, actually, my wife is in charge of our giving. Uh, I could tell you how much we planned to give last year. I, I, we just started working on our taxes, but I can already see we went over. And we went over last year, went over the year before. I've been married to her 13 years, and she keeps pushing us over. And, and that's okay, um, because truly, she is more benevolent than I am. So she challenges me and, and, and helps me there. Um, but if you don't have a partner, meet with your pastor. Call up your pastor and say, I would like to talk to you about my stewardship and my giving. And he'll fall on the floor and pass out. Because <laughs> he's never had anyone ask him that before. And then finally, and this is the really big one, uh, practice compound giving. Uh, if you know what, I know what all, you all know what compound interest is. Uh, it builds, it builds. Compound, compound giving is you give a little bit more this year than you gave last year. When you get old like me, you will be surprised. You know, look, I just told you my wife is more benevolent than I am. But when we got married, she was surprised how much I was giving because I started that a long time ago and it keeps building. It keeps building. And it's a very interesting thing. We, we, we never gotten to the point where it really hurt. Even though the number is growing fairly dramatically. But God keeps supplying. Uh, so I want you to think about that. Uh, that has been a great blessing. And, and it's, what it does for you is it stretches you. 
striking condition. There was a man, his name was Dr. Hugh McKean. Uh, he worked in Thailand as a missionary around 1901, uh, and, and he was a Presbyterian uh, missionary there. He had a church of 400 members. They made souvenirs. Their pay was 20 cents a week in rice. And he would go around when he was in the States telling about his work and so on and trying to encourage people. And he would say, let me tell you about these people. They, they, every one of them at least tithes. And they have done so much for the kingdom. They're doing more for the kingdom in Thailand than any other church in Thailand. They pay their own pastor. That was very rare. They sent two missionaries out to other parts of Thailand. They helped the poor. And, as I said, every one of them ties. Then he would say this. They do it with such joy. You can tell they know Jesus. And then he would say this. By the way, all these happy stewards, they're lepers. I minister to lepers. Father, we know that you take very seriously the things you give us. They are gifts. Everything we have comes from Life itself, the salvation we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of the means of life which you've given to us. And you want us to know the joy of Christian stewardship. A stewardship that reflects your generosity. And a stewardship that's anchored in the gift of salvation that you've given to us. So we pray, Father, that even as we leave here this morning, we might take with us this message. And we might apply it to our hearts, to our lives. And it might make a difference in our relationship with you. We pray for your blessing. And the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. We pray in Christ's name. As we conclude this service and as you make your way to Sunday school or wherever the Lord would lead you, consider the opportunity we have for us. A generous God we serve. So let's all pray together that he'll take our lives and let us be consecrated to him. And let's stand as we sing.
So may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up unto you his countenance and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together, Amen.